you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, before I get in the Word this morning, I have a couple things I want to share with you. First of all, I want to say a huge thank you for the way you received my friend Jedediah Thurner last week. Uh, Wow, it was such a great word. And uh, I don't know about you, if you have not... Amen. If you have not gone back and listened to it, uh, two things actually. Uh, The Rock uh, website, the new website is up and running. Uh, Some of you, if you went on it this week, you went like, whoa, that's not what you're used to. Our our brand new website after two years of work has rolled out and it automatically uh, replaced your old one. So if you haven't been on it this week, I encourage you to go on a lot of new stuff, a lot of great stuff. Easy way to pay your tithe, give offerings, even to special guests like last weekend. I stood on the front row and took out my phone and went three bum bum bums and I gave an offering to Jedediah. That was so cool. Didn't even have to write a check. So a lot of good stuff on there and encourage you to uh, be a part of that. I want to say thank you also for the blessing, the offering that you did give to Jedediah. I didn't tell you all this last week when he came, but he literally flew after 15 days of being away from his family, flew, flew from Peru back home to uh, Southern Cal, had two days with his family, then jumped on a plane Saturday at 5.30 in the morning, got here at 7.30 Saturday night, 9 o'clock at his hotel. So when I picked him up at 7.30 uh, Sunday morning, that was 4.30 in the morning, his body time. And he didn't preach like he was tired, did he? He, he brought some energy. Somebody told me, he said, Pastor, he's like you except on steroids. And uh, <laughs> so I appreciated him after last week. He preached 35 minutes long in the second service because his confession to me was, Pastor, every time I looked up, they were adding minutes to the clock back there. I said, no, bro, those were red minutes, which meant minus in the hole. And he's like, oh my gosh. I said, yeah, you did, bro. You went till 10 till one. And uh, so whatever I do today, I'm going to be better than that. So uh, no, just kidding. But he did, and then uh, he spoke a third time to our Peru team, uh, brought the word, really uh, gave us a vitamin sh- um, B shot of excitement about our Peru outreach, and, uh, and then I took him to the airport at 4.30 Monday morning, uh, which was 1.30 in the morning, his body time to be put back on a plane. So I really appreciate it, and I appreciate the offering you guys blessed him with. It really uh, blessed him, and he's very grateful. Uh, three other things real quick. One... Before I get in the word, uh, Growth Track started uh, last Sunday morning, and uh, we just want to encourage everybody that's a part of our house, if you have not yet gone through our new Growth Track, I know some of you have been here since right after Methuselah passed away, but uh, I want to encourage you to go back, go through Growth Track. It's a whole new class. We condensed 21 weeks of the old covenant class into four weeks. This last summer, I preached it to a live audience here in the auditorium, about 100 folks. We had a great time, and now Tad is running. A week ago Sunday, we graduated 16 at the end of February. Last Sunday, we started with a whole new class. Tad had to put a stop. Nope, no more can come. You got to start in March. So we have 22 in growth track right now during second service, and uh, they'll graduate after the fourth week of this month, and then we'll start our next one in March. So if you have not yet been through growth track, especially if you're new in our house, I would encourage you to go through that. You're going to find out who we are, what we believe, who we believe God to be, what God's doing in our house, our church, our family. Talks about vision, talks about uh, uh, missions, talks about everything we do. Uh, we're going to give it to you in four weeks along with a snack. Hey, can't get any better than that. So that's going on. You can sign up online. Also, 
All of that is to get you to the next stage, which is connect groups. We believe everybody that's a part of our house needs to be in a connect group. Amen? We believe that everybody in connect group needs to be, uh, everybody that's in our house needs to be in a connect group. Can you say amen to that? Even if you're not in a group. Jedediah said a, a couple of things last week that was worth repeating. One of the 40 things that I wrote was a isolated Christian is a defeated Christian. An isolated Christian, we were not created to isolate ourselves. Matter of fact, this auditorium this morning is full of almost as many empty chairs as full chairs, and I'm praying that all my Valentine's people will be back next week. Uh, but uh, uh, there are a lot of folks that once walked with God, and somewhere along the way, they got discouraged. They believed the lie of the enemy. They allowed some lie of Satan to just beat them up. And if you're not careful, if you're not in a connect group, if you're not joined with people, if you're not connecting, if you don't have a prayer partner, you don't have a prayer team, man, I'm telling you, you can get beaten up. You Not you can. You will get beaten up by the enemy. We need each other. Right now, I'm leading three connect groups. I'm having a blast. Every Monday morning, first three Mondays of every month, I'm meeting with a different group of men, and I'm having an awesome time. Tomorrow morning, we'll be meeting with, another, with my second group, and, and we need each other. We need fellowship. We need encouragement. We need help. And so I encourage you, get involved, Pastor Ron, call the church office, go on the website. There's all kinds of ways uh, that you can find out. We have every imaginable kind of connect group. Matter of fact, Suzanne and I were invited a, a week ago to, uh, to go visit one of our connect groups in the house. It's called a two-seater connect group. And it was all the couples in the church that have little two-seater cars. And Suzanne and I have a little old uh, sports car that we bought a couple years ago. And so we went to meet all these guys. And they were all in their little sports cars. And we took a ride out in the country, had dinner out at uh, uh, some little dump of a place out on the river. And, and then went somewhere else and just had a great time. Talked about the things of God, had fellowship, got outside. All of us guys were taking pictures, you know, with our car. And the girls are like, y'all are like little boys. And, and we are. So, you know, every once in a while, I want to have Hang around with some little boys that are my age. So connect groups. You know, what, what is it you enjoy? I promise you there's a group going on. If, if not, hear me. If not, we've been waiting for you to get here to start that group that you're interested in. And we got about five people that are ready to join it right here, right now. So I want to encourage you and help you. And then the third thing, uh, real important, is uh, baptism. Uh, we've had... Uh, in the first five weeks of this year, we've already had 68 people respond. Well, actually, this morning we had three in the first service. We've had 71 people respond to the call of God. Come on, somebody. That's worth clapping for. Amen. So two weeks from the day on the 24th of February, we're going to be baptizing in both services. If you're one of those amazing people that responded, raise your hand. If you'll go online on the web, it, it'll help you get signed up. If you have questions, call the church office and one of the pastors will talk to you. Make sure you understand what you're going through. Had a precious little girl come up uh, after, second, uh, after first service this morning. Her mom said she wants you to pray over her because she's eight years old. She really wants to be baptized. I got baptized at eight. So don't be looking down on kids who are giving their hearts to Jesus, man. It stuck with me. And she came down and she said, Pastor, I still want to be baptized, but I'm afraid of water. And her, and her mom said, she like really is. Like she doesn't even like want to take a shower. She, she just, and so I, I, I told her what to, to do and, how, and what to expect and, and how quick it would be. And I said, can you hold your breath? She said, yes. So I said, show me. And then she held her breath. I said, can you hold your nose while you're holding your breath? She said, yes. I said, you don't have to do it for like three minutes, just like 10 seconds. And her eyes lit up. And so she was all excited. So we want to baptize all of those who have followed the Lord and asking Jesus to become Lord of your life and want to get you 
you involved in that. So those things are important. And uh, for those of you watching online, come on down to the Rock of Gainesville and uh, enjoy it and experience it yourself as well. So uh, now it's time to get in the Word. Amen. You ready for the Word this morning? All right. Father, once again, help me to deliver this Word that's in my heart and help us to have an ear to hear uh, because it will produce life in us. So I give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the title obviously is already on the screen of Forever Love. I want to talk a little bit this week uh, today. As you know, uh, Thursday is February the 14th, and that is uh, what uh, we call literally around the world Valentine's Day. And I, I have to admit something to you. I've been married uh, this year will be 40 years to the same woman who I love dearly. And uh, I'll share a little bit uh, uh, some of our story during my message this morning, but, but uh, I realized this year that we're going to actually celebrate our 40th anniversary in Peru on a missions trip this summer, June the 23rd. Uh, we will have just land. Actually, I think I'll be preaching that day. And uh, so I thought, man, no better way to celebrate 40 years with my wife than to be on the mission field preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're excited about that. But 40 years, I've been, you know, doing the, the, the husband thing. You know, the chocolate, the roses, the cards, the, the, the words. You know, we're, we're a work in progress. Come on, all you men say amen to that. We're a work in progress. We're always trying to learn, you know. And, and, uh, but, but I have to admit, last night at Suzanne walked through the room and I was wrapping up my notes. I said, sweetheart, what is Valentine's actually? And she said, well, well, I don't really know, actually, but I, you know, uh, I like the chocolate, I like the roses, I like the cars, so keep them coming. And, and so I decided I'd do a, a quick Google search, so I Googled it, and that pops this uh, word. First of all, uh, it says that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a time in our modern-day era where, where uh, people give to their loved ones chocolate, red roses, cards, um, or diamonds. I, I left that out in the first service. And... Uh, <laughs> I should have left it out in this service too, but anyhow, it says that you give these gifts anonymously, and I'm going, what? Excuse me, I've been married to one woman for 40 years. I'm going to put roses out and flowers in a card, not sign my name. It's just going to be anonymously from her husband. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard, because when I'm giving that stuff, I'm thinking, man, reciprocal, you know, it's just like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm like the only one, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, we give gifts and we love receiving back. I mean, when you say thank you or when you say, you know, I love you, man, I've said it a couple of times in our married life. Hey, baby, I love you. And nothing, just silence. Whoa. Hey, did you hear me? Right? I mean, nobody likes to say I love you and get a blank stare coming back. I mean, that's just like, whoo, self-esteem goes down the toilet, you know, like, what did I do wrong? You know, I got to make, make this thing up. But, but man, we love to, to receive back. We love to love. And, and you know what? It's not a bad thing. Matter of fact, it's a God thing. God made us that way. God loves to love us. God loves to be loved back. God loves to praise us. God loves to share those things with us. So, you know, after I pulled up this uh, uh, definition, then there was a four and a half minute video that somebody Google, you know, somebody put the video together. And I thought, wow, this might be a cool thing, you know, explain to the church what Valentine's is. And then I started watching. Whoa, I had to cl cross that thing out, black it out real quick. I, no, we're not going to be showing that at church. And, uh, you know, but it, it, it was this whole explanation all the way back to, and, and I'm just like, okay, in the modern day era, what, you know, what does it mean? And, and it just, it is what it is. Uh, it is a 14 billion, say B. 
B, $14 billion industry. How many of you think retailers don't love some chocolate, some red roses? $14 billion worth of Hallmark cards. Come on, somebody. That's a whole lot of cards and red roses and chocolate. And so I started thinking about that all week. We've been actually for the last two weeks talking about kind of using this uh, title as a, as a theme just to talk about God's love. And so about a week ago, I started writing all this stuff down, wrote this message and had it all ready to go with 15 pages. I just thought I'm following Jedediah, so you know I'm, I'm going for it. So I, I had this message all typed out all week and came up to the office yesterday morning and prayed over that thing. And, and I went home last night and I started reading through it, and it was so dead. It was so lifeless. It was like, I'm going to fall asleep preaching this, much less, much less, you know, these poor people having to listen to this. And, and I just said, Lord, you got to breathe some life into this. And, and all of a sudden, he just breathed life into some of the thoughts that were in my heart about his love. Matter of fact, he, four things just bam, bam, bam came out. And I thought, you know what? That's got life in it right there. So I'm going to share four things with you in just a moment. As I uh, talk about a forever love, and obviously uh, a forever love begins and ends with Yahweh, the living God, but more intimately, Abba, Father, our Father and our God. You know, when Jesus came onto the scene and he had done the miracle of the wine that Jedediah preached about last week and then started other miracles, it, it says in, in Luke's gospel, chapter 4, I believe it is, that after being driven into the wilderness, he prays, he fasts, he spends all this time going through what he did. And then ultimately, he, he ends up in the tabernacle and uh, he declares, he, he, he takes the book of Isaiah, he sits down and reads it, he closes it, the parchment, hands it back to the priest, and he said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your presence. And he goes on to say, uh, Jesus declares um, and speaks not about Yahweh, our God, but he literally calls him Abba, Father. And, and if you could just see a video replay of the Pharisees and the religious leaders of their day going, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, stop, what? No one had ever intimately talked about God as daddy. And then if you go all through the Gospels, all four of the books of the Gospels, every time Jesus references God, he references him as father, father, daddy. And uh, the love that, that, that Jesus re relayed and revealed in that moment, you could just see these, these religious leaders going, what? They're, they're, you know, what right do you have? What, what do you think? You're special? And could you just see Jesus going, yeah, yeah, actually I'm his son. And what I'm going to do will enable you to be special one day as well. You see, Jesus did not come and hang on the cross. So we could have religious activity on Sunday mornings. Matter of fact, his prayer in John chapter 17, I'm going to get to my message in just one second. But his prayer in, in, in John chapter 17, he says, Father, boy, the whole chapter, I read it this morning, my early morning devotions. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I didn't already have this second message written, I, I just preached John 17. It's so powerful. Jesus is talking to the Father with such intimacy. And he says, Father, I, I, I have done your will. I've let, let your name be glorified. And then he starts talking about you and I. And he says, Father, that they, that they may know you and that they may walk with you the way that I walk with you. 
Come on, somebody. He didn't come to make us religious. He came to open up a door of a relationship that we can have. Sunday, uh, Friday night, my wife threw a love party for uh, our 10 grandchildren. No parents were allowed, just the 10 grandbabies. And she had the whole, she had the whole scheduled event of the day. She, man, she just, she's amazing. She just makes me look so bad. I just drive the guard, golf cart and do whatever she said. And I wash a lot of dishes. So I, I, I'm, we, we got all of us on the, the golf cart, 12 of us. Don't anybody tell anybody because that's probably illegal. But we were driving real slow. And we're riding around our neighborhood on the golf cart, 10 kids hanging off everywhere. Came back. She had red beans and rice sauces, man. She, the kid's favorite meal, Bella's meal. Nobody else is allowed to cook that. And, and so she had the meal. She had crafts. She had, she had a story she's going to read, man. She's all, I'm watching my wife up there in front of these 10 grandkids, and I'm thinking, she should preach because this is amazing what she's doing. And everybody said, amen, pastor. She should preach. Amen. She should preach. But uh, she, so she's, just, she's got it all planned. And, and then we're taking pictures, and we're doing videos. Video and, and then we got dessert. She's got heart-shaped cookies with all of them with their names on it that she had had. And it was just, it was just the most beautiful evening. And then all of a sudden, we're trying to do something. And one of my precious little grandbabies, I won't say his name, Jordan, um, <laughs> he, you know, he, he, he's, he's got a little special place in my heart. But he would not listen to Baba because he'd had too much sugar. And so... I said, Suzanne's trying to take a picture of all the girls, and Jordan's just in the middle. And I said, Jordan, stop and move. And he did. So I just reached over and patted him on the butt like this. And oh, my gosh. Heartbroken. Tears popped out. He was dying of embarrassment that Baba had, had tapped him on the body. And I mean, it was a 20-minute ordeal. I'm consoling him. I'm, I'm, I'm telling him how much I love him. But that when Baba speaks, Jordan's got to listen. And, uh, and he wasn't going to hear it. He just wanted to cry and make a scene. So we're in the back, you know, for 20 minutes getting through this. And, uh, and I, I never said, I'm sorry, Jordan. I just said, I love you. But you got to mind because it produces blessing. And you know what? Sometimes God loves us so much. He's got to give us a little tap. And we get our feelings. Oh, my gosh. We cry and woe is me and suck our thumbs, you know, as adults. We just, because God loves us so much, he won't leave us alone. He won't leave us alone. And I don't know about you, but I love the tap of God. I never like it when I get tapped, but I love the end result. It brings us to maturity. It changes us. So as we talk for a few moments today, I want to share four just key little truths that God dropped in my heart as I was just thinking about his great love and, and how it changed my life and affected me. So before I get to I want to share one scripture out of the message version of the Bible. They're going to throw it up on the screen. Psalm 34, verse 8. Listen to this. The psalmist writes, open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. And blessed are you who run to daddy. Father, oh my, today I just need you. You know, in our 21 days of prayer and fasting, one of the things we prayed over every single day, individually and corporately, we prayed this as a church family, God, I want to hear your voice. 
I want to use spiritual Q-tips. I want to get my ears cleaned out. I want my heart to be prepared. I want my mind renewed because I cannot live just once a week going to church here and your preach word. I need to hear you. I need to hear your voice. It sustains my life. It gives me purpose. It gives me hope. And, and I love the way he said, open your mouth and taste. Taste the goodness of God. You remember when you first got saved and all that guilt, condemnation, sin, wickedness, wretchedness, ugliness, all of a sudden you realized what happened? How did confessing with my mouth and believing with my heart, what happened? What happened? All of a sudden you're, you're no longer bogged down with sin and the shame of your sin, the shame of your pain, the shame of your agony. All of a sudden you're free. How does someone who aborted a child kill their child? How does God's love so transform their life that they go from the heaviness of carrying the pain of what they did to the joy of knowing that somehow God loved you so much he forgave you? And that your child, your child, waiting for you in heaven. Your child is not forever lost. Your child, I believe, is a part of the great cloud of witnesses even today. A child, a baby, an unborn baby. Wow. You see, last week, Jedediah preaching that message and two people raised their hand when they said they killed somebody. All of a sudden, I realized this week, I, I got a revelation. I realized, you know what? That's just probably one of my precious people that all of a sudden realized that what they did when they aborted that child because our law said they have a right to, that the revelation of it is, I don't. That's in God's hands. And his message brought such a revelation of why the enemy hates us. And you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you see your face and you see why God loves you and why Satan hates you because you look like God. And that the enemy will do anything. It's not about a woman's rights. Hear me. It's not about a woman's rights. It is about money. But more importantly, it is driven by the hatred of Satan that he wants to stop the breath of God. He wants to stop the breath of God. But God forgives and redeems. He said, open your mouth and taste the joy of being free. The joy of being free. I I was lost, but now I'm found. I was bound up in sin, but today I am free in Christ Jesus because he forgave me and his blood washed me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. And every wicked thing I ever did is under the blood of Jesus Christ. And I am the healed of the Lord today. I am whole in Christ Jesus because of his great love for me. So I want to give you these four truths. All right, I am now into my message. I have 15 minutes. Number one, number one, if you're not writing anything else, write these four things down because I believe you're going to go home and meditate. The Holy Spirit's going to speak some wonderful things in your heart. Number one, God formed you. God formed you. You didn't evolve. Trees are trees. Mountains are mountains. Water is water. The moon is the moon. The sun is the sun. Monkeys are monkeys, but you are the created of God, that his breath breathed into you. Breath of God 
That's what the enemy's fighting every day in every way. He wants to stop the breath of God. But with God, man, we realize who we are. Listen to this, Psalm 139. I don't have time to read the whole chapter. Go home and meditate on this afternoon. Sit outside under an oak tree and just meditate on all of Psalm 139. The psalmist wrote it so beautifully. But in verse 13, he said this, For you, O God, formed my inward parts. He knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Genesis 1, 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then down to verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, both male and female. He created them. God formed you. He created you. And he knew you. Jeremiah 29, the prophet writes, God declares to the prophet, and he pins it so beautifully. God has good thoughts for you. Pleasant thoughts for you. He, he has a desire, a future, and a hope and vision for you. The enemy wants to rob you of that. He wants you beaten up in your sin, beaten up in your guilt, beaten up in your shame. That's why what Jedediah said last week, so powerful, an isolated Christian will become a defeated Christian because as long as you're out there, you come to church once a week, church, hear me, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. You just get enough to be miserable. Until you get back three weeks later, two weeks later. We in America, we, we, the church of Jesus Christ has eventually got to rise up and go, enough of this foolishness. I am not going to miss 26 weeks in the house of God every year taking care of my flesh. Because my spirit man is dying. You get out there, you get isolated. I don't care how great our, our, our streaming is, our live streaming is powerful. I love it. When I was home laid up with a hernia surgery a year and a half ago, two years ago, I was thankful that I could turn on my computer and worship with the church here and watch the preach word. But my gosh, you just don't get what you get when you're here. I sent that message last week to a few friends, some pastor friends, and one guy wrote back after watching the whole service. He said, oh, yeah, it was good. If it was only good, you lied, you didn't watch it. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, that message was straight from heaven for us. And maybe that's why it wasn't anything for them. Because one, didn't catch the spirit of it watching online. And God wants us to know who we are. And that we were created and formed in his image. Listen to this. God has a plan for you even before you were born. When I got saved at eight years of age, one of the first words that I heard Holy Spirit speak came out of Jeremiah chapter 1. So I knew it was God was simply this. In your mother's womb, I formed you. And I knew you. And I called you to preach my gospel. I was eight years old. When during a salvation experience, Holy Spirit says to a little eight-year-old boy, I've called you and marked you, and you're going to preach my gospel. Man, eight, ten years later at 18, I'm still not getting it. 
And all of a sudden, one day in Bible college, some man stands up to preach. And what is his scripture? He opens Jeremiah chapter 1. And he starts quoting the very word that 10 years before God had spoken into my heart. And I was like, wow. Wow, would I love to say the next day I was out preaching the gospel, pastoring a church, doing everything God called me to do. But 12 years later, at age 30, God says, now it's time. Now it's time. And I still had to say, but God, do you know how poor Suzanne and I are? I mean, do you, you, you do know, God, I don't own a passport. And every time, Holy Spirit would say, I've called you. You're going to preach my gospel all over the world. So can we just start in Gainesville? I'll start, I, I'm now healed uh, of my pain of Gainesville. I'm ready to preach. Let's just start here. And seven months into preaching the gospel here, Holy Spirit says, get your passport. Today, 30 years later. 166 missionary trips around the world behind me. And I go, wow. See, God saw it before I could even have faith to see it. God saw it. What does God see in your life that you are not yet ready to? But he's already seeing it. Whew, I got goosebumps on top of goosebumps. What's he already declaring to you that you go, God, you got to be kidding me. Do you know who I am? Do you know what my name is? Do you know what my skin color is? Do you know what my background is? And God says, yeah, but all of that comes under my blood. And I'm seeing for you a future and a hope and visions and dreams that you can't even imagine yet. Because he formed you. And he breathed his life into you. And he created you in his image. Yesterday, yesterday I had the privilege of going down to North Florida Medical Center Hospital to stand with Tom and Kristen McGarry, Tom's our CFO here at The Rock. And last Sunday, they were all here in church, and Kristen was due to have a, a C-section delivery on Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock. And we were all happy and rejoicing with them Friday morning. I called Tom. Everything good? Yeah, Pastor, we're good. Kristen's good. Feels good. We're ready to go. We're excited. 2 o'clock this afternoon, we're going to have our baby. And, and about 2.30, I realized I hadn't heard from Tom. So I wrote Tom, uh, everything on schedule? Baby here yet? And he writes back. Things that no pastor or dad ever wants to hear. Pray now for Kristen. Wow. All of a sudden, we start praying. Suzanne's praying. I'm praying. Staff's praying. Pastors are praying. I called P PR. Have you heard anything? No. Pastor Tad, have you heard anything? Can somebody go to the hospital? Somebody needs to. I don't know what's going on, but we need to get down there. And uh, they went in. Everything was perfect. Everything was normal. Uh, they, they did the C-section, pulls out this beautiful little seven-and-a-half-pound healthy baby boy, uh, Luke Thomas McGarry, and 21 inches long, just looks absolutely beautiful. Dr. Marishaw turns, hands the baby off to the nurse, and, and uh, Tom's taking pictures. Everything's going good. And all of a sudden, Dr. Marishaw turns back, and everything went bad in a second. And they said, Tom, you got to go now. Baby's got to get out of here. And all of a sudden, Tom's standing outside the, of the surgical room, and, and he's hearing all these announcements coming across the screen. Blue, uh, code blue, code blue, we need blood, we need blood now. And back and forth, nurses running in, doctors running in. And he's standing on the outside going, you know, as, as a father and as a husband. And he's, and he's wondering, what's going on with my wife? What can I do? Can't do anything. you got to pray. Wondering if, 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 am I going to be a, a daddy of two, a beautiful little girl and a boy, and no wife, no mom? What, what's going on? How bad can things be? And, and, and five minutes went to 30 and 30 to an hour, and, and, and they're in there, and they're just working desperately to save Kristen's life. A couple hours later, they will her out straight into ICU, breathing tube, got her asleep. 
And we're praying and praying, and Tom's there, and Kristen's mom and dad are there, and we're just believing God. And yesterday, I went down to ICU right after they removed her tube out of her throat, the breathing tube, and she's awake, she's alert, she's very uh, whitish, very, very much overwhelmed, and, and Tom starts telling me the things that were going on, and, and all of a sudden, Kristen's crying, tears are dropping, and and Tom didn't know that until this moment, and she starts relaying to Tom. Tom thought they had immediately put her to sleep, and all of a sudden, Kristen's saying, no, I heard them tell you you had to go. I heard them tell you take the baby out. I heard the doctors talking to each other about what, how serious this was, and we got to save this woman's life, and all that went through that process. And, and Kristen's telling her husband this for the first time. I'm sitting in the room, and, and, and I'm overwhelmed that, one, that God's goodness and love and mercy, and number two, for amazing, amazing, amazing medical people, Dr. Marishaw, who's delivered about 150 babies at the Rocket Games. I don't even know why he's not in this church. We paid for his retirement. I mean, that guy needs to come on where he belongs the house of God, but, but, but man, he, 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 matter of fact, somebody said a lesser doctor probably would not have saved Kristen's life. Nurses, anesthesiologists, they were all there doing their part. And finally they were, they gave her eight liters of blood. For those of you that don't know, you only have seven in your body. That means that blood was just coming out as they're trying to get blood in her and they saved her. And yesterday afternoon, Tom said, Pastor, you can go. I no, I'm, I'm not going anywhere until I see her in her room and I see little Luke. I'm not leaving here until I see baby Luke. And, and so I, I got to be there. The nurse was amazing, wonderful. Tom and I got to help take care of uh, uh, Kristen down to her, her room, back out of ICU, got her out and got her in the room. And I stepped out with a dream. We were outside in the hallway playing. And finally they say, Pastor, you can come in. And, and Kristen's all bedded down now. And, and the little guy, Luke, is just all bundled up there, you know, and, and I washed my hands two or three times. I said, okay, it's, it's pastor's time now. And I got to hold that little guy in my arms and I'm looking at his little hands and his fingers and, and I'm remembering, I had just read Psalm 139 in the, in the mother's womb, God created, knitted together all those little intricate parts of that amazing little gift of God. Those little ears and eyes and nose and mouth and the heart, God placed it right where it needed to go. And then in the moment, in the right time, God breathed. And the breath of God filled that little boy. And I held him in my arms. We took pictures. And then I turned and said, who, who wants the baby? The pastor's got to go. And Kristen's sitting in bed. And, and, and she had only got to hold the baby yesterday morning in ICU for a couple minutes. And, and then they took the baby out. And, and, and so I'm holding this little guy. And Kristen looks up. And her eyes are just, you know, those big old crocodile mama's eyes. And, and she's just reaching out. And, and I had the privilege to take little Luke over there and lay him in, in her arms. And, and as I watched her hold and embrace that little baby up, I'm seeing her eyes. It was worth it. It was worth almost dying for to bring this little gift into the world. And I'm reminded that God looked down at Jesus on the cross who's dying for you and I. And he says, you are worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. My son's dying, but you're worth it. He loved you so much. He didn't just form you. He breathed his breath into your life. Every time you take a deep breath. When I, when I started fasting last month, 
Um, I had, after a pretty stressful end of the year, I had had to get back on blood pressure medicine a little bit, and I hated it because I'd been off of it for almost a year. And, and uh, then after my brother died, my pastor died, and, and, and my dad died in the stress of things in ministry, and, and, and I started not feeling good, so I took my blood pressure one day, and it was, you know, way too high. And so started taking blood pressure pills again. And, and as I went into January, I said, Lord, I so want to be free. I don't want to spend my life taking meds. I want to be free. And, and so I started pr praying and I started fasting and I never asked God outside of that one prayer. I just, I just started flooding my body with water and I started, you know, when TV was off, man, there was, it was quiet in our home by eight o'clock at night, Suzanne and I were roaming around the house like, what else is there to do? <laughs> Might as well go to bed, you know, it's 8.15, man, you've read books, we've had dinner, it's been quiet and peaceful, we had prayer time and, 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 and so I just started going to bed and I started relaxing and, and one day I, I realized I'm feeling so good and I realized also I had not taken a blood pressure pill in about a week. And so I went out one Saturday and I went for a walk. I was getting ready to preach and, and I came back and I felt a little lightheaded and I called Dr. John and, and Doc said, well, have you taken your blood pressure? I said, no, I haven't taken it uh, in about a week. And he said, well, why don't you just take it every evening, every morning? So I took my blood pressure and it was like instead of 149 over uh, 99 or 103, uh, all of a sudden my blood pressure uh, was uh, about 115 over 75. And, and I called Doc back. He said, don't take any blood pressure medicine. <laughs> yeah. And so, so he said, every day, check it. So every day since that day, every morning, every night, I've been taking my blood pressure. And every morning, every night, it's 117, 118 over 78, 79, 81. And, 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 and you know, just feeling good, no, no, no meds. And I'm just going, God, I, I want to walk out this. But one of the things that happened was, when I had my hernia surgery, uh, one of the precious nurses that was trying to help me get out of the hospital, she kept saying to Suzanne and Nathan, uh, he's got to get his pain level down to below five, and, and, it, and it was about 11 and a half at that point, and, and uh, he's got to go, he's got, don't mean to be crude, but he's got to go to the bathroom. And so, you know, I just stood in the corner for like, they're sitting over there. I was like, could y'all just like go out of the room? Nothing's happening over here. You know, I, I was just all, I had all this gas from the surgery in me and, and, and I couldn't go potty and, I, and, and I, my pain was through the roof. And so eventually the nurse comes in and she said, Pastor, she said, we got to get your blood pressure down. She said, I want you to sit up on your bed. I want you to uncross your legs. She said, I want you to take 10 deep breaths. And so I started doing it. She said, no, 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 no. Let, let me teach you. So she said, okay, take a deep breath. I just took as big a breath as I could. She said, now blow it out. And I started to let it out. She said, no, no, I didn't say let it out. I said blow it out. And so I... She said, okay, that's one. I was like, I'm going to hyperventilate here. So I did a second. I did a third one. I did a fourth one. I did a tenth one. And the machine's up. It's on my arm. It's just constantly. And all of a sudden, I watched my blood pressure drop like 10 points, both high and low. She said, now, you can take a blood pressure pill or you can just take 10 deep breaths. And so over this last month, every time I would feel it just creep up a little bit, I'd take my blood pressure. And sure enough, if it was even a little bit high, I'd take 10 deep breaths. And I'm like, this is crazy. I mean, one day I took it, it was 135 over 99, and I took 10 deep breaths, and I took it again, it was 121 over 81. Come on, somebody, with no meds. Jesus. But you know what? 
every time I blew out that breath and sucked that breath back in, I said the breath of God. The breath of God. I could go, and nothing happened, and I would die. But every time you take that deep breath, whether you believe in God or not, you're breathing God's breath. You're, you're living on borrowed time. Because if God withholds his breath for one minute, you're going to start choking, need oxygen, the breath of God. Because he loved you, he formed you. Number two, I love this one. I got to fly because I'm already in the red. Number two, God wooed you. God what? God wooed. W-O-O-E-D. God wooed you. God loved you so much that he gave his spirit to draw you to him because he loves you. He draws you to him. Why? Because he loves you. Man, the only really illustration I can think of when it comes to a whole wooing thing is how, how, how many of you, don't raise your hands, but you remember your, your first love. That, you know, we used to call it puppy love, but the reality is it's more like a pit bull. <laughs> Come on, am I not speaking the truth? You remember, don't you, your first love. You might have been 10, 11, 12, 13, 15. And, and, and man, you, you, you were stricken. And you thought at first it was, it was puppy love. It was so sweet. You know, how many of you love those little curly puppies, man? They just, you hold them up here, they're little tiny thing, eight weeks old, and they're licking you, biting your ear, and, you know, grab your, your finger and go, stop, puppy, that, that hurt a little bit. But, but it ain't nothing like a pit bull. I love puppy love. But pit bull love, whoo, I don't even want to see a pit bull unless I'm packing. Because they get a hold of you. They ain't going to let go. Bleed to death right there. Because some of y'all say, well, that pretty much sounds like my first love. <laughs> Bled to death. God had to resuscitate me. But there, there, is that, there is that time when you were wooed and, and, and things happened in your life. And I look, at, I look at how God wooed me and God touched me and God loved me. When, when at eight years of age, I was, I was a little boy looking for love in all the wrong places. I had a mom and dad, broken home. Uh, we were together, but we were broken. Siblings broken. All my siblings married and divorced, broken in, in that pain. And so even as a young boy at eight and, and, a, and an older boy at 18, man, I'm looking for love. And so always thinking that love was out there. It was, a, it was a girl somewhere that I could give my life to that I could love. And, and you go from hurt to hurt to hurt, unsatisfied pain, because you're trying to get from someone something that only God can give. God woos you with no pain, no heartache, no bleeding. When God loves you, what happens is you become cleansed and healed. God woos you. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of the stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my word. We were created by God to be wooed. Created by God. And he wants us to experience that great love that he has. Number three, I love this one. God wants you. God wants you. 
God formed you. God wooed you. God wants you. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. God wants a relationship with you, and he wants it to be a relationship of love. Not old covenant, but new covenant. Because of what Jesus did, we can experience his great love. He, he wants you to live your life abundantly, full, and overflowing. That's why Jesus said in John 10, yeah, yeah, I know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came, he said, to give you life. And what? That life more abundantly. He wants overflowing in your life. God wants to, he wants you to let him carry your burdens because he has the shoulders to carry what overwhelms you and me. Sometimes we, you know, we, we like to sound so spiritual in our connect group or in our little prayer group. And like, yeah, y'all pray for me today. I'm carrying this burden of something. And, and God said, you know, first of all, deal with the pride and then give the burden to me. Deal with the pride and then give the burden to me. God, God did not call us to walk around carrying all these heavy burdens. Almost every time I find myself burdened down, it is I've stepped out of the spirit realm into I got to do this because I'm a pastor and I need to make sure that I can do this and take care of this. And God's saying, no, no, I have the shoulders for this. Don't carry a burden that God is well able to carry. And God wants more for you than you want for you. He wanted these things so much for you that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, for us. And then number four, you know what this one is. God loves you. God formed you. God wooed you. God wants you. And God loves you. John 3.16 in the ESV says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I want to tell you, C.S. Lewis once famously declared this to a friend that the story of God and humanity is the one fairy tale that is actually true. It is the story of all stories. It's the foundation of all love stories. It truly is the greatest love story ever told is the story of God's love for humanity, for you and I. So think about this as I close. God formed you. God wooed you. God wanted you. And God loves you. And I want you to think about this for one moment. I want you to let this sink in. That Jesus died for you. He died. What greater love is there than the love of one who is willing to lay down their life for another? Jesus died for me. Listen to this. He endured the cross, the shame, the humiliation, not because he deserved it, but because he wanted, he, it, he knew it was the only way to get what he wanted. Hear me. What did God want? He wanted you. And think about this. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, created all that is God did. And he kept saying, it's good. It's good. It's good. Day one, it's good. Day two, it's good. Day three, it's good. Day four, it's good. Day five, it's good. I'm going to create man in my image. It is very good. But in all that God wanted, the only thing that God did not have before 
Jesus went on the cross was a personal relationship with you. Think about it. God has everything and it all belongs to him. All the hills, all the mountains, all the potatoes in the hills, all the gold in their hills, they, it all belongs to God. And yet God was not satisfied because what God really wanted was not just that you would serve him out of the law, but that you would give your heart to him. And so he wooed us and he gave his son to die on the cross so that we could go from God, Yahweh, to Father, to Abba, to Daddy. You are the only thing that God did not have before the cross. And so if there ever was a Valentine, I believe that God's Valentine is you and that he wanted you. And he was willing to give a love that would be forever. A forever love that will change your life. So we're easily wooed by the stories that Hallmark produces, be it people or dogs. We're moved. We cry at the drop of a hat. Even some of the big old burly men in this house, I know for a fact, they cry. Oh, it might not be over a, a love story that has to do with people, but you, 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 whatever their thing is, you'll cry over. And most big old burly guys, it's some dog. <laughs> some dog. And you let that dog die at the end of the story. They're, they're like weeping. They're mad. How many of you ever watched Marley and Me? Come on, somebody. Just don't go ahead and confess it. How many of you have watched it a second time? Let me see your hand. What's wrong with you? Are you stupid or what? Are you crazy? I mean, who watches Marley and Me a second time? I mean, they, they worked so hard to get that dog sane. And it became the best dog. And then the dog died. I can cry just thinking about it right now. <laughs> Why? Because I had a yellow lab. And she was the same way. She had eight lives. I mean, bit by a snake, run over by a car. Suzanne ran over once. Luke dropped a trailer on her. And she just, every time we'd take her to the vet, by the time we got to the vet, God had, would have healed her. And they'd open the door and she'd jump out. Doc Shores would say, take that crazy dog back home. And uh, it just kept living. And then one day it became the best dog. And then for 11 years, everywhere I was, she was. I love a good love story. I do. But the greatest love story is ever is that God loved you and gave himself for you. Would you just close your eyes for a moment, bow your heads. Can I just say to anyone in this room, whether you've never known God before in your life ever, you've never known his love, whether you're watching online this morning or you're sitting in this room, God loves you. Or maybe you someone that's been in church for a long time in your life and you tried to do all the right stuff. You try to be good. You try to make it to church and church on time. You try to serve and help park cars and teach kids and change little poo-poo diapers. But, but you, you would readily admit that you've never really known him the way he wants you to know him. He's not been daddy father in your life today God wants to free you of the pain of the bondage of sin separation 
or works that bring no satisfaction. He wants you to know that you were worth it. You were worth his son dying a horrible death on the cross. He says you were worth it. This morning, you want Jesus to free you of your sin and free you of your pain, give you an identity that's in him, and most importantly, know his love. I would love the privilege of leading you in a very simple prayer where we're going to ask God to forgive us and to reveal his love to us. He wants so much more than for you just to do the religious thing but have no relationship. He wants you. He loves you. If that's you this morning, every head's bowed. Believers are praying right now for you. And you're just, you're saying, Pastor, today I want God's love in my life. Would you just lift up your hand and hold it and let me recognize it and then I will pray, yes, God bless you, yes, bless you. This morning, you just ready to receive. Yes, sir. God bless you, young man. Anyone else? This is your moment. This is your moment. It's your time. And it might be the most difficult decision you ever make in your life. Because you find your chest pounding, your knees shaking, and you feel like you're at a crossroad. And it's a decision that God cannot make for you. He will just give the love when you're ready to receive it. So real quickly, before I lead these three in prayer today, would you just say, that's me, Pastor. I want his love. All right, I want to just invite you to, right where you're sitting, to pray this prayer with me, with us. And receive the fullness today of God's love pray this prayer. Father God, in the name of your son Jesus, I pray, I surrender my life, my heart, my soul, my mind, my everything. Today, Jesus, I want to say thank you for being willing to die for me, to shed your blood so I could be saved. I give you my life. I confess my sin and my need of a Savior. Today, be my Savior. Be my Lord. I choose this day to give you my life and to walk in the fullness of your love, Father, for my life. The rest of the days of my life, I'm choosing you and your love. And I thank you this morning for loving me in such a big way. You've forgiven me. You're redeeming me. You're my Savior and my Lord. I give you my love all the days of my life. I pray this, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Come on, give the Lord a hand for these this morning. Then I want to invite you to stand.
Please do not leave. We'll be through in just a couple of minutes. I want to invite you to stand. I want to invite the prayer team to come forward quickly, please. The worship team is here. We're going to just worship one more time for a few moments, and then we want to just make an opportunity today. If you have needs in your life, you need prayer, you came in here today, something's heavy in your heart, maybe you're battling something in your body, you're sick, uh, you, you, you're struggling in your marriage or in finances or in a relationship, we're here, we're, we're not in a rush, we're going to just take a couple of minutes and we're going to love you and pray over you. These prayer team partners have prayed, they've sought God, and they're ready to lay hands in agreement with you today. Also, if you're one of those three that raised their hand this morning, feel free if you so desire to step out and come down to one of these uh, prayer team members and just say, I, I ask Jesus to be Lord of my life today. Let us, let us rejoice with you. Let us celebrate with you as you begin this walk with God in your life. So if you have a need, come on down as we are prepared to minister. Thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org.